0: Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by premier boat builders, visit AbyssBattery.com.
1: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans.
0: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: Welcome back. T.A. Mahoney, Tales from the Dark Side. Bringing you a buddy of mine today I haven't had on yet. Been doing this a couple years. We got Gil Castillo. What's up, Gil?
0: Hey, Mike, how you doing, man? How's it's everything? Captain
1: Gil, too, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. Captain it
1: is. Gil. Yeah. Running boats now. I met Gil how long ago? 25 years? It's
0: it's been at least that, Mike. At least.
1: Our buddy, I call him Big Sticky. Carl Hancock (laughs) gave me a call one day and said, hey, you want to go to the Everglades, mess around with some alligators, see my buddy? He wrestles them. And I'm thinking, what? Yeah, yeah, my buddy's got a show. And I'm thinking, why had not I ever heard of this? He said, no, I know him real good. Went to school with him.
0: Yep, Carl and I grew up together. Played Mm -hmm. ball together.
1: Man, what a great time that first time we met. We had two, three days in the Everglades, and I'd never seen half the stuff and grew up here.
0: Yeah, it's a real cool area. There's a certain area down in there where right on the verge of where Big Cypress Swamp starts to turn into the Everglades is just the most beautiful place. Um, It's just absolutely breathtaking.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And you were doing, I guess you were doing a show over there in Fort Lauderdale at the time is why we kind of spent some of your spare time there in the Everglades, you were pretty close there.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, certain times a year when we were performing that show, we would spend a couple of months down in the Everglades in Miami performing that area. There's a couple of events down there. There was one that was in Miami that started in, a, we did for about a decade, started in a beginning of November and ended up in January sometime. So we were always down there, always brought my airboat and yeah, explored had and had to. a good time.
1: Yeah, that uh, being there in the Everglades and having an airboat. Gil, you're originally from Tampa, correct?
0: Yeah, I was born and raised here, in West Tampa, Ybor City area. My family moved out to mm, a little bit east of the Temple Terrace area, on the other side of the tracks, right. uh, when we were uh, when I was just a you know young guy. I think it was about third grade. We moved away over towards that area.
1: And Quite a few siblings you have. I got or... a
0: brother, two sisters. Great. Yeah,
1: and they're all they were all around here. And... All
0: still around here, born and raised here. And, been running around here ever since.
1: You know, I was, uh, we went fishing the other day, caught some, uh, you were on the boat with the Wahoo. Oh, yeah. 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 We had a good time doing that. You know,
0: it's really nice when you target that and you look at the area that you want to go to because of whatever the reasons are, whatever the eddies yeah. are saying. That's and a the temperature, home run. And then you catch them. You know, yeah. what a great day that was. Yeah. And that it was a little bit out there, you know.
1: A long, long, uh, long run. I think I'd we started, say. what,
0: 109 miles offshore?
1: Yeah. Yeah. At 30 miles an hour. <laughs> so you do the math and we you got a few stops there on the way yeah as we're all getting older stop the boat got to use the bathroom and but you know talking it was funny we were on the boat and we had tangles on the boat and uh, probably your first time you met tangles yeah so i hadn't met of, him
0: before cool guy
1: yeah a little bit unstable but <laughs> funny guy to be around and we were talking about alligator hunting and we were talking about gill and we were saying yeah and and Gil, you know, he did all this alligator hunting. Kachanga was the name of the uh Name event. of the show, yeah. yeah Kachanga and the alligator. So Tangles breaks out with yeah, the only alligator show I remember is The Drunk Indian over there, at the Seminole at the Bingo Reservation. Right. So I'm sitting here thinking and then all of a sudden what do you tell him? I was that 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 was me.
0: Yeah, that was me. But I don't recall being drunk. Well maybe that's because well, I was drunk.
1: He was probably <laughs> drunk, right?
0: He might have been drunk. And
1: and acting the fool, but it was funny because Tangles He's really not that big of a guy and Gil here, he's a pretty big guy and he was kind of throwing a jab at whoever was doing the Indian and all of a sudden you're on a boat a hundred and nine miles offshore with the the Indian that was doing the right, show, right? Right, right. It was uh the only, one,
0: I, the only one thing is uh, you know, I ran around on that reservation for him for six years doing those shows and paraded around as an Indian, but I don't have a single drop of Indian blood in my body. right
1: but a lot of knowledge about it oh yeah you know? well you,
0: you end up learning that you know kind of on the job and training it, with the Indian stuff I didn't know much about Seminole tribes or the Miccosukee Indians prior to me getting that job but of course you worked there lived there was there for six years you end up picking up stuff for sure
1: yeah and I thought it was really cool because I guess during that time you've gained a relationship with them a real good relationship and
0: well we, I was I was for sure uh, at one point uh yeah we uh spent a lot of time in big cypress down there on that reservation down in hollywood and um, things were different down then and uh back then of course and what they right. are now different and uh jim billy was in charge of the tribe when i started working i worked directly for him uh under the management of that uh small cultural center that was there
1: right.
0: uh, in tampa but um he came and gone uh, a couple times and uh but he was in charge of that that tribe when i and i worked directly for him and uh, he was a pretty interesting character
1: sure I thought it was uh, pretty amazing when I first met you there that we were running through the Everglades. We got to see that uh, anybody that's been around a while here in Tampa remembers the uh, value jet that crashed with all the people in it that were commuting back and forth from I guess Tampa to Miami was the uh, flight or something either coming back or going there. Yeah,
0: it was shortly after I believe they left the runway there.
1: When and, that happened uh, it went down everybody yeah. died uh it was it's terrible there's actually a memorial out there that i got to see that i never even knew was there and it you know it's kind of sad you see a bunch of stuffed animals and different stuff and kids and they would write stuff and and leave it there and uh, right. then we went to a working indian village is what you told me and it yep. was pretty amazing yep. to pull up there to think you know as we drive to the keys and we go across alligator alley whether it's the old one which is really where more of that is and the you got the new one that runs through also but right. as we drive we don't realize what's going on out there you know there's people that actually live out there sure you know they got the huts and we pulled right up to the island and they mm-hmm. they treated this guy like he was you know one of them and said hi to him and just kind of watched what they were doing they were working on putting that little, those huts together with the palmetto tops. And, cheekies. Uh, yeah, man, They're called it, cheekies. Was, uh, it was pretty amazing doing that. It was a good time.
0: You know, for what's sure. interesting are those cheekies. Uh, we built a bunch of them when I worked for the tribe, uh, when it was there, for those of you from Tampa that might recall that uh, back when they had the bingo hall there and uh, before the hard rock, they built this little cultural center. I helped build all of those cheekies in there. And uh, at one point, we had the world's largest cheeky. But you know those cheekies, and all they do is they put the palm fronds on. They overlap them in such a manner that they don't leak. Number one, it's pretty interesting, and wow. they've been known to last 20 years with nothing on it, just.
1: No, yeah, that's crazy. It's Pretty cool. We may want to go back to that. I don't know if you can get twenty years out of a roof out today. of a new shingle. <laughs> yeah, we'll just go yeah. collect the dark ones. It's, yeah, uh, it's pretty amazing. So, what got you into the the alligator show?
0: So, my first love, first thing I could recall really being fascinated by were snakes. Believe it or not, right? And uh, I had my family owned a printing company here in Ybor City, and they were doing the printing for the Seminole Tribe for the bingo hall. And out of high school, um, I was looking for a job. I got working over at that bingo hall and word got around that they were building this cultural center next door. They had the uh, alligator shows and some wildlife and Seminole culture and there was something popped up about a rattlesnake show. And my ears perked up and I ran right over there and I said, what are you talking about? Are you doing a rattlesnake show there? Huh. Oh yeah, we're, we're gonna do a rattlesnake show. And I said, well, I wanna be the assistant to the snake handler indian boy looked at me and says uh you are the snake handler (laughs) it's taboo for us to mess with them so from that point on i started working for the tribe in that aspect did the shows for them and uh the rattlesnake shows so the alligators come along a little bit later uh when for six months so it's kind of funny
1: rattlesnake show how does that happen you
0: know know, there is no training you got to understand how the indians work
1: right Uh,
0: if you say you want to do the show the next day you're in that pit and you're doing the show
1: and that's Holy just how they
0: work cow. um it's 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 a very strange there's no there's no real training i had a guy come up so basically how i got into the alligators i was not a part of that show for about six months and a couple of union boys got bit a few of them don't show up and when they did they were drinking a beer on the on the on the clock or smoking a cigarette when the. School buses showed up and they're walking around with them a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. Yeah, that ain't good. So it wasn't good imaging. So um, uh, Jim coming to me, Jim Billy, the, uh, the the tribal the chief at the time, he says, "Hey, you like your job?" And I said, "Yeah, I love it." And he looks at me, and goes, "Well, you got a new detail." And I go, "What's that?" He says, "You're going to be doing the alligator shows too," and that's how I got started. So. Sent a guy up. What did you kind of think a when
1: he told you that? Were you excited? Or well, no, you... I really
0: I really wasn't that excited, uh, to be honest with you. Kind because I was scared. Sure, I was scared. A little
1: bit bigger Yeah. than a snake, yeah. right? I bite a lot harder. Yeah.
0: So I said to myself, I said, well, you know, I really like the job that I'm doing. The snakes mm-hmm. were everything to me. And then uh, a guy shows up out of Hollywood, Florida. His name was Skeet. Ended up being kind of a mentor to me. So Skeet shows up, the first thing he does is he gets out of his van. He had one of those four-wheel drive vans and it was painted with a wildlife scene on it. Right. Panthers and alligators and all that stuff. And he shows up in his arms in a sling. And I ask him what happened to him. He says, Well, the gator bit my wrist and he rolled over eleven times. And it broke my wrist in I forget how many fractures, he like fourteen places. Special. And that and that his wife literally climbed in the pit and jabbed her finger in the gator's ear to get him to let go. And when, she, when the gator let go, his arm unwound six times.
1: That's unbelievable. And all I
0: can right. think is myself is, and this is the guy they sent to train yeah. me oh, <laughs> so at wow. the time. And that's a true story. And so, uh, in fact, the first thing he said with his arm in a sling, he says, now we're going to go into that pit. There's about 25 gators in that pit, and you're going to grab one by the tail. And I'd seen the boys do it all the time, right. but you know, it's nothing I never tried.
1: Were they all sizes? In the uh pit? yes,
0: anywhere from you know six to eight foot gators, Good and ones. uh, you know, intimidating, it it. intimidating. Oh, yeah. Well, the six footer tore his arm up. Yeah. And when he told me, he said the first two doctors wanted to amputate his arm, but he ended up getting it saved by a guy from Africa who flew in that was dealt with uh, crocodile bites in the past and uh, was able to save his arm. He had about 70% range of motion. He was still going through the kind of the recovery and the therapy, had a big bad infection in the bone was the main problem. So uh, he tells me to grab one of those things by the tail. So I do, and I pulled it up on the little sandy area. Back then there was a water, a circle of water within the center, a little island of sand. And I pulled it out and uh, he says, now reach underneath the jaw of the gator and then put your thumb over the top jaw. And when I did, the gator opened his mouth and stuck my thumb right in his mouth. He closed down on my mouth, and I yanked my hand out, screamed. And he goes, man, I told you to put your thumb over the top. So I went through the side. And so that was my first lesson.
1: He got you good, huh?
0: I kind of ripped my finger. Infection? No, no. It was my side of my thumb and mostly a flesh thing. But the damage was done when I yanked my thumb out. Yeah. That was just an instant. And those
1: small response. ones, you know, a lot of people don't realize that those teeth are razor sharp. Well, they're or sharp. Even this one here is nine foot. Those teeth, that it, they're
0: sharp. But What happens is the pressure. Yeah. That, that doesn't need to be sharp when they right. have that kind of, you know, 3,500 pounds of pressure per square inch on those big gators. They're not as much on the smaller ones, but the bigger they get, the more pressure they get. And uh, it doesn't have to be sharp with that kind of pressure. So you, know, you just go through whatever you push
1: it in. So did OSHA come out and look at the. Uh, the thumb and how you got it No, caught.
0: no. <laughs> no, he just you, told me to go put a Band-Aid on it and see me back in the morning, and that's what I did. So that's how it started with the gators, and uh, the very first time I got I got a cut on my finger and my thumb.
1: Now that and, we're uh, uh, talking about it, how many times have you been bit You, by you know, I, I
0: really couldn't tell you, Mike. Um, a lot? A lot. Probably yeah. had about eight, nine surgeries, cut tendons and such, and a couple wow. of times you have to redo them because infection or whatever.
1: And was it something that... You just got lazy about the safety of being around them? No, I mean, you're only, you're only perfect. Right.
0: 100% of the time is never. You know, you're only, in, in, in some cases, if you do everything right, you still get bit. But in most cases, you made a mistake. So you can only be perfect so much where you don't get hurt. That's right. Ever. And uh, I don't know anybody perfect, and I'm certainly not. And uh, so we make mistakes. Once in a while, you'll make a mistake. You get away with it, right? But you know inside your head that was just a bad thing.
1: Yeah, that was. And you, have get, done yeah, yeah,
0: it That's was bad. Right. So and so you get you get quite a few of those moments, and uh, over the course of I mean, I did that show for 37 years. You know, yeah, so you get those moments, or you're running around uh, if you're trying to get to the backside of the gator or get on the top of the back of the gator. He's trying to face you at all times. You're around. Heck, you're in the water. You slip. You well, fall. You know, it's
1: a numbers game. It's right? just,
0: it's just, it's just nobody's perfect. Yeah. So you get, you know, you get bitten. You only, you only pray that when it happens, that you're you're coherent enough to kind of respond in a way that helps you instead of yeah hurting you
1: yeah that's for sure um you know the biggest difference it's funny a lot of times when i got to know you and, and just talking with different family members with you know about alligator hunting they'll put the two in the same category as far as hunting and handling completely different and i'm gonna tell you i'm the first one to tell you i put my hands on them when they're already gone <laughs> you know we're real close to it i'm not somebody that handles one I'm not saying I hadn't helped hold one or I hadn't helped, you know, release one or I've done all kinds of that. But sure. it's usually with somebody like yourself who's a trapper, licensed, if that's what they're doing, and they're telling me what to do. But the mouth is already shut and I know when he starts to roll. Right. Sometimes if he's, if he's big and got that weight, you can't stop him. You
0: can't. You know? They're so strong. That yep. tail is, is designed in a way that they've evolved. They're so strong at that. You can't stop them on a big gator. You're right. just not going to stop them. I, so I also was the trapper for the state, an agent for I got you. Pasco. And you're absolutely right. When I went out to get a noose and alligator, let's say, right, it was never the same as doing the show right everything is different you set it up different everything's if i if i if i happen to hook them get them to the bank rope them even after rope is on them you end up either tying them off to the truck tying them to the tree and then you you, he's basically you can't spin back at you and you go around the backside. everything is different you know it's a much safer way as if then, if you're really, if you're trying to perform a show in front of an yeah. audience, it's just it's complete tough. two different things. Yeah, absolutely different.
1: I agree. Uh, can we talk about that time down there and sure. the, the alligators in the boat and, yeah, and you know, taking the big one? What
0: do you want to talk about?
1: At, remember, this is all entertainment just to entertain you guys. So don't take nothing to heart. But we went out there and, and we uh, you were having an alligator show. and We had Bert. Right. He was new then.
0: Oh yeah, so, uh, so what we, what happens when I trap the gators? Basically, the way the state works is when you're a nuisance trapper, and I did it so that I can get the alligators, and I uh, it's kind of my went way
1: hand in hand with the show. yeah, and I went
0: hand I, yep. I, a revolving door of alligators. We've got plenty of alligators, and then also kind of my way of giving back because the way the state works uh, as a trapper, you cannot. Uh, process or kill anything four foot or under. All of those gators basically are captured and relocated. That's what I enjoyed. I was able to capture and relocate those gators. I'm not a processor. Uh, Any of the gators that are over four foot. Now most trappers and what they make their money on is basically selling the meat or the hide. The hide has almost no value anymore because most of those high-end leather companies are raising their own gators and those gators are usually raised in single pen environments so therefore all of that hide is perfect. No
1: scars everything. Or anything. So your
0: wild gators are all scarred up yeah. and so they uh, they don't have the value that they used to have so the trappers are mostly making their money on the meat so they don't like going after an alligator that's under four foot because we don't get paid as trappers we just do it because that's what we enjoy, and if you can make some money at it in right. another way, such as selling the meat, then that's what you do. So, I like to go and catching the four-foot and less ones because I could relocate them. They don't want to do that majority-wise because there's no money in it for them. Right. So I'm doing it because it's my way yeah, to kind give of them give back. them back. Sure. So anything above four-foot, if I couldn't use it in the show because it was too small, it was smaller than let's say seven and a half foot or so, I would just give it to them the processors uh anything that i could use in the show then since i have a licensed facility then i could i could transfer a live transfer of the gator that i captured
1: right
0: to my facility right and which is uh, what i would do and anything too big for me again i gave it away to the trappers if i couldn't find a home for it i'd give it mm-hmm. away to the to the uh, other processors so they could. They could process it. I didn't have a processing facility. So when you don't have that, because they're all USDA regulated, you can't sell the meat. So once in a while, I'd you know butcher my own so we'd have some meat here and there. But for the most part, I couldn't use it. So let's talk about that time we're talking about.
1: Yeah, the uh, you hired a new guy, Bert.
0: He wasn't that new. Now, he wasn't that new, but he was young.
1: You know what, though? He and was, he was wanting to be big. You remember that? He was working out every yeah, day. He when he wasn't alligator hunting, he was working out. When I right. met him, he's all jacked up. Looked like he had uh, sand spurs under his arms. <laughs> they couldn't touch down. They hurt too much. I hope he sees this. <laughs> well, Gil goes out, nuisance gator, catches about a nine-footer.
0: Yeah, you were with me. He was what, about nine-footer? Yeah, he was,
1: a little, he was probably about like this one right here in front of us. Well, normally the new guy in the show has been messing with seven footers, right? Seven to eight footers. And anybody's ever alligator, been around them, hunted them, whatever, nine footers the next step. You know, an eight footer's a good gator, a nine footer's the next one, a 10 footer. I mean, there's a distinct weight difference in every one of those, in my opinion. Oh yeah. So we got this one, we're messing around down there. We get it in your facility, which is the The show there in the cages with the water and taking care of them and all that. And uh, he goes to do the show. I wasn't there to see it. I wish I could have. But he opens up that door. (laughs) And one this size comes out. He's used to one about here. And this one comes out. And I'll never forget him calling you or something. (laughs) We were together. He's going, man, why didn't you tell me you had a
0: His arms weren't sticking out anymore like he had since. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) He kind of shriveled up. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and anybody who's seen that show at the fairgrounds uh gil's been there at the fairgrounds before and uh he was there
0: for 27 years
1: yeah and it, that know. you've seen the alligator show there that was him i took my uh kids up there one time one of the funniest times what he used to do is he'd handle that gator and he always had the mouth shut and he would get a pitcher, he would be on the gator and the kid would be on the gator and then right when they'd take the picture Gil would get off the gator but of course he had the gator by the mouth and the kid sitting on the gator by himself and i'm sure i still got that that picture, that picture well it was
0: more it? we acted like we were going to get off yeah and the kid would freak out and that's when we'd Gil. take the picture because of the reaction usually of the kid and that was always a that was always always tell you, a good big crowd crazy.
1: just because i know him i'm not saying this one of the best shows i've ever seen the way they interact with the people there it was like the crowd was a part of the show and it looked like y'all enjoyed it um i know that in the last few years that kind of put a damper on you that whole pandemic and shutting all that stuff down and we're going to get into that and what you're doing now we got another segment coming up we're fixing to take a break and we'll be right back with the alligator man Back round two with my buddy Gil Kachunga. We're gonna fast forward real quick, Gil. We've heard a lot about the what got you into alligators and growing up here in Tampa, but let's get to what you're doing now. We were talking in that last segment, and we've all who are still here have battled through this pandemic and business. And I know for the entertainment industry like yourself with that alligator show, it kind of Put a screech and halt screeching halt, really screeching halt. I mean, uh, quick and and you're somebody I really ad- admire about it. You know, a lot of people it blindsided them; they didn't know what to do, which way to go. I mean, you've done something since then. You switch gears. What could you do? Yeah,
0: you know what could you do? Uh, there's you couldn't put two people sitting next to each other, so there was no show.
1: Right no Nobody events fairs no nothing
0: no events no theme parks come to a screeching halt and uh so basically i've been a captain for i don't know how long decided to uh take my airboat and uh start running airboat tours uh started doing that as soon as i could uh, as soon as people were allowed to start like less i think it was like less than six people or something which worked for me because uh my boat only holds three or four people so I started taking those out in their families, usually uh, out into uh, swamp tours. And instead of doing a one-hour trip, we did a half-day trip. And uh, as we were talking on the break, I, I started that just because, basically, um, as an airboat or had an airboat since I was 18 years old. Uh, people would come in and out of town that we'd meet on the road traveling, and uh, I'd once in a while give them an airboat ride, and they always said that that was the best part of their trip to the state. So I decided to approach a tour company in the same manner. And that is four hour tours uh, as if I had some buddies coming into town. So we bring them out for four hours. Now they bring their lunch. They can bring whatever they want to drink, beer, truly, whatever they want. Alcohol beverages It's a private trip. So uh, we keep it real quaint, small. We don't put a big boatload of people on we just put three or four. And then we can go to places that I would have taken my friends or, Right. Guests from out of town. So, very interesting. And that kind of led into other ideas and other options. And uh, I started running larger boats uh, as a captain, um, opened a small management company, and I manage some of the yachts. Uh, I have, you know, five or six boats right here in downtown Tampa that I run. I manage a captain, but we also charter the boats. So, uh, I've moved from doing that road show and traveling around right. the United States to basically. Uh, sticking around here you right. know um trying to make things work now in a whole different realm uh it's all brand new uh but it seems to be going pretty yeah, good yeah you're you're hard at it right. for sure always
1: yeah. on a boat or always working on a boat, or every, day. A boat yeah, every day every day yeah you know i called you the other day and you were on your way to the everglades was well that i was big?
0: late here today because of that yeah you know uh we're just you just got to do what you got to do man and uh it's exciting it's new it's different I probably am working harder than i ever have in my life right um but you know it's different and as things grow and progress hopefully i'll be able to have a few more fishing days in which i haven't had much of because of you know the the schedule that we're doing but uh not complaining i'm actually blessed sure you know why i got my license as a captain years and years ago i never used it i don't know there you go you know it kind of just maybe it was uh something uh you know a gift now but, uh, you're
1: uh, you're up in Pasco, right? Where your your home is. Or yeah, whatever. I'm still up
0: there and driving back and forth from Dade City in this beautiful traffic we have in Tampa. Yeah. You know, the city of lights,
1: the heat of the mon- or the heart of the monster, right? <laughs> That's what it's like coming down. I to call the it city. the
0: city of lights, man. Look at all the beautiful lights we have. Yeah. They're all red. <laughs> yeah. They're all in a line, but Yeah. Beautiful lights we have here. Yeah. A lot of we traffic, man. So traffic.
1: are your swamp tours, so to speak, are they all done down south in the Everglades? No, do we're you... doing
0: them up in uh, actually north of Tampa about an hour. There's a, an area, a stretch of a river, the Withlacoochee River. Those of you that are from here, you know that river. Um, it's still pretty wet. Uh, it's undeveloped for the most part. It's an extremely long river. It starts in the Green Swamp, Right. runs all the way out to the Gulf. Up north by the Swanee, so it's it's a very long river, and uh, most of it is undeveloped. There's little pockets and areas, uh, you know, that that have some development on it. uh, If you were to run the whole length of it, but for the most part, that river floods, and because it floods, the whole area on both sides of it is deemed uh, flood zone. So you really can't build on it, which helps with kind of nice. It's it's beautiful. So it's still. Absolutely beautiful, pristine, and so we take these people out in those areas. And when the water's high, like right now, you can you could run to multiple counties through the backwood wow. backwoods. Oh, oh, it's it's absolutely well. Right now, it's water everywhere. Yeah. And uh, even when the water's down low, it's still a beautiful, beautiful, pristine river. So we have no problem running four, six, eight hours without seeing many times not another boat, wow. not a house.
1: Now do y'all have a website for that?
0: Oh yeah, Kachunga Airboat Adventures is what we're calling that, those swamp tours.
1: All right, and a phone number if somebody wants to book one? Well, if you want to
0: book, just give me a call at 813-917-9378, we'll set you up. Uh, It's a a four hour trip. Uh, We tell people, and when they ask, well, do we have to stay out four hours? No, you don't, we can come back early, but nobody's ever asked to come back early. Four hours goes by fast when you're out there. You bring your lunch. You could bring, like I said, beer, wine, or something to drink if you want to. And uh, after about two hours, we get off the boat, kind of stretch your legs. Got a little picnic table kind of set up out in the middle of nowhere. You get down and uh, eat your lunch. We get continue on. Right now, at this time of year, is absolutely beautiful. Be We've the got. the best time. Yeah, it's beautiful. All the northern birds are coming down yeah. from migration, and so they're everywhere. Alligators are everywhere. It's, it's Bugs absolutely aren't beautiful. As bad. Yeah, the bugs, bugs are never really that bad there, uh, yeah. it's not so bad until you start getting after dark or early early morning before the Sun comes up but during the meat of the day nine o'clock on we start our first tour at nine and we do two of them a day nine to one and then two to another four hours till six yeah. so really no bugs at this time of day um, but uh, it's a great trip uh, people have been uh, leaving really great reviews for us and i'm really happy and proud of that my brother awesome. my brother does that with me he's a captain as well he did the shows with me for those of you that have seen the show my brother dave he's always uh he's always been there with me doing these shows as well so we're just kind of doing something different but along the same lines we still love yep. you know entertaining entertaining
1: that's the main thing and yeah. if you've never uh, been on an airboat i strongly suggest you you give it a shot do it with Gil. he's uh you know there's a Uh, thousands of people that have airboats there's probably four or five that I'll ride with and those are people that have been doing it a long time I've been in uh, you know I was doing a lot of alligator hunting myself and I was mainly doing it in Lake Hancock it was about a four-foot depth
0: right I no Lake Hancock easy to bubble
1: trail right right and we would do it out of an outboard boat sure but As other people started picking Hancock, you didn't always get your first pick and you always had to go down the line. And I realized that somewhere if I keep alligator hunting, I'm probably going to want an airboat. That's the way some of these lakes you have to go into it. Um, And what happened shortly after that, I was with a guy who's just like yourself, been on the water all his life, hunting and fishing, airboats all his life. We were on a lake that he grew up on. And they had dropped the water level. We had uh, you remember the magazine Airboat World? Oh yeah. Yeah. We had the editor uh-huh. of Airboat World. He did an article called Swimming with the Alligators. And the why the name of that article was Swimming with the Alligators is we hit a post that night and ejected him and his camera into the drink. I mean, at least 30, 40 foot from the boat. Um, this wow. was—he's. This guy's been on the lake his whole life. They dropped the water level, and anybody that knows that lily pads stay up mm-hmm. for a day or two before they settle. <laughs> and this was a green pole, sitting mm-hmm. above the lily pads, even with them. And,
0: and it was at night, us. Yeah, it
1: was at night. So we you were, don't
0: was, see anything.
1: It was right in front of us. My buddy, I felt like made the smartest decision. He had told me after the fact he was going kind of in into a turn he said i could have gone ahead and turned if i missed i hit it sideways we're tipping over correct he said my first thought was square it off floor it and snap it well it it didn't snap it was a ramp right i mean it was uh it was on friday the 13th and i can tell you That's why I do nothing on, I'm not superstitious, I just ain't doing nothing on Friday the 13th. (laughs) And I'd rather find out it's Friday the 13th, that night right before I go to bed and go, wow, (laughs) it was Friday the 13th, just not one of my days. You're saying
0: it affects your decision-making process throughout the day. Yep, my friend Uh, Casey
1: King was with me. And you know what was wild about that, is I didn't really, I didn't get scared. I I had a loaded spear gun. The jug came out of my hand when we hit the water. 1,000 gallons of water hit me in the lap. I was sitting in front of where his feet are, where they drive. I had a loaded spear gun. We're driving looking for big gators. You shoot them with a spear gun. It's got a jug on it. When we hit that and jumped, that jug went out of the boat. It grabbed a lily pad or a few. It's pulling my gun back to the back where my buddies are sitting. So, all I could think about was both hands leaning forward into this gun so it wouldn't. I mean, it had the bands back, it'd go right through you. Sure, it would. And uh, that's all I could think about. Well, where it really started bothering me, this accident, so to speak, that nobody really got hurt, but it wasn't good, was after.
0: You start thinking all
1: about On my it. way home, yep. I start thinking about it. You know, I had. Uh, that's when the
0: nerves kicked in.
1: I had a very very bad situation happen two days ago could have been bad two days ago I'm at a ranch um, near Kissimmee and we're hunting and there's other hunters there that I'm not there with it's you know a group of hunters and me and my buddies are over here well, we're over in the kitchen and I hear something fall off the wall from the cabin next door so they went over there opened the door, I heard the, you know, say, oh my gosh. And the guy ended up discharging his gun inside that cabin. And I can tell you that I've never, I've hunted, I'm, I'm 56. I started hunting when I was about 28. My dad wasn't into hunting. I did a lot of fishing. I started getting into it with the Croftons and different people. And I can honestly say, never if I've been in a camp where a gun has been discharged accidentally, right. probably one of the most uncomfortable feelings, just thinking of what could have happened. 308 sure. will go through a wall. Oh yeah. 300 wind mag 270 um, may not be here today, but it th- that is very similar to how I felt when I wrecked in that airboat, because it was more afterwards. I start thinking about how serious that is yep. and, mistakes you can make and you know being out there that kind of stuff with what we do we went offshore the other day we caught Wahoo we're a hundred and something miles offshore I don't remember seeing that many boats you know for help if something happened to us you know Um, I know our confidence and I got a ton of it in the Coast Guard Um, I think they're great people and they come out in the most miserable weather to save us stupid people that want to go fishing or whatever we're doing, you know? Sure. Um, but we're prepared. We got a life raft. We got an E-perb. Um.
0: You're as prepared as you can be.
1: Yeah. Well, and you're not going to panic. You're we've weird. all,
0: you know, we've all had those, those sure. incidences. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I know those feelings very well when something goes wrong. And at the moment you're not affected by it as much because there's too many things going on, too much that you have to do. But then later on it hits you, Right. you know, it hits you pretty hard
1: you know you're uh taking care of boats now you got a yacht management company mm-hmm. and i say yacht give us an idea of what size boats you run and take uh, care of
0: right now i'm running the smallest one's about a 52 cruisers and then on up to 85 and then um, also command a few 95 and around that mark yeah kind of large for this area you yeah. know you're not getting much bigger than that in tampa but uh all that stuff's coming this way uh we're actually not really well set up here on this coast for those yeah. big boats. Yeah, we were
1: talking about that, yeah. how you know, it needs limited. To,
0: we're very limited. You know, we have a lot of water here, but we don't have a lot of marinas.
1: Yeah, and, and for it, those big boats, you really have tarpon springs. And, uh, well, there's very
0: few, like the 85 yacht. That thing tops out at almost 200,000 pounds. So uh, there's only 100-ton lift that's here and that was at Viking. And we tried to pull the boat out of the water. Actually two, one is a progressive, one is Viking and neither one of those could pull the boat. So I'm gonna have to move that boat to get a bottom job to pull these boats out of the water to a lift that.
1: Does it not work on these dry docks that they have? No, it's they just too know. heavy
0: for them to pick up. So the boat, like I said, it started squealing. The uh, the alarm started going off and the last one, I think was at a was either progressive it was progressive and uh we tried to pull the boat off and because i think the boat it's a hundred ton lift but i think the boat because of the way they had to strap it it was a lot of the weight was on the back side of it unbalanced it more so than anything as far as the weight goes putting so much weight on that back strap that it just wouldn't be it wouldn't pull it out well
1: you know so, what about the ships i mean they're well, those dry
0: docks that are there those yeah, are
1: too too that, much money because sure. boat's too small for yeah it. you don't yeah. want to
0: do that man i don't so know what they charge you to do that
1: you're headed to uh basically fort, fort Alder, myers fort, fort
0: myers, myers or fort myers is about the closest to, but uh uh up owl creek and there's a couple yeah. of yards or, over there and i know
1: then, some of my buddies have gone out of here and gone to orange beach yep it yep. just depends on what you need done right yep, and yep. i know uh, supply chain has affected all of us and i know the parts that you need to get for some of those boats some of those boats have sat
0: we just did a 3000 hour service on this asthma and uh uh it took them um, about two and a half months to get because you don't know what parts you're going to need
1: yeah, you get until apart. you
0: get it apart so the boat sat there and uh waited on a part to show up for almost two and a half months wow and um and we got the biggest company we had ring power this cat this caterpillar
1: oh yeah uh, they're Great the people. biggest
0: biggest biggest company that could do that and they they couldn't get the part in that we needed so the boat sat there for about two and a half months you know and um so the supply chain's been bad
1: yeah but they just have to deal with it like all of us do and mm-hmm. uh eventually hopefully get the part and i think it'll come down to certain parts that are maintenance you're just going to have to stock up on when you can get them right when you can, filters yeah. or impellers you know then you or,
0: become you can do that and we do yeah it, to some degree but then you become a part store in your boat and there's really not that much space to put some of this
1: stuff yeah in. there ain't much room you know th-
0: yeah thank god i've got a i got a nice little shop up where i live and uh half the boat parts that are large the stuff that i wouldn't be replacing immediately on the spot i'm able to keep in a in a warehouse environment up there but you know for the most part it's it's they don't have the room that that you need to carry all that stuff
1: that's kind of tough too for a boat that travels
0: yeah if you're traveling you got to bring as much with you as you can even spare props yeah you some of these boats they run over to you
1: know to the islands islands and yeah
0: you might sit there for six months waiting on a prop yeah so you bring as much stuff as you can with you and uh and then pray for the best.
1: Yeah, hopefully nobody else needs it. But most of those charter boats, you're at the docks. You're in what, St. Pete? I'm in the downtown.
0: We're in Tierra Verde and St. Pete. Yep. Um, West Shore. Yep. Yeah. So kind of all spread out. But uh, um, And then some of the other boats, everybody says the same thing. It's it's, it's not just a Tampa or St. Pete. It's just it's everywhere. It's the supply chain is pretty yep. pretty rough right now. Hopefully that gets better.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know Shimano at the beginning of the year, they told all the dealers, they said, We're done taking orders this year. <laughs> we hope we can fulfill. And this is like in March, April, you know, you're like, Wow, you know, but at least they let us know they didn't take the order and say it's coming. And right. everybody's sitting around waiting for sure. it. Um, but yeah, we'll get through all that um, just like you did put your nose down and get to work, and that's what's going to happen, and uh, hopefully everything will be better, and uh, we can still go fishing. That's the best part about it. The
0: best part of the day, right?
1: Yeah, we had a good time, and I appreciate you coming out today, talking with us, and sharing a little bit with us. Give your number out if somebody wants to take an awesome airboat ride.
0: The number is 813-917- 9378. Look us up on the web at www.kachunga.com. And Mike, Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, man. Great time. Thanks, Gil.